Welcome to Day 2 Cloud. Today, we're talking about platform engineering and internal developer portals. And what are they? What are they good for? Why should you adopt one immediately at your organization? <laughs> what jumped out to you, Ethan? Well, I don't know that you're going to be uh, adopting one immediately within your organization because <laughs> there's a lot to it. It's a big, serious undertaking. But the thing that caught me is Suzanne described platform engineering as an evolution of DevOps or something along those lines. Like if you're a DevOps intensive organization, platform engineering might be where you go next. The next stage of your maturation of the platforms that you're offering to your developer community, that captivated me, Ned, it really did. Yes, and the person guiding us, like you said, is Suzanne Daniels. She's the developer relations lead over at Port. You can visit that port, getport.io. So enjoy this episode with Suzanne Daniels. Well, Suzanne Daniels, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what brought you to your current role at Port? Yeah, so hi, folks. Uh, I am Suzanne Daniels. Um, I work at Port uh, as a developer relations lead, and I'm a Microsoft MVP in developer technologies. Um, I ended up there uh, after working for... Uh, large cloud provider, um, working in, in DevOps in, in consultancy roles as an engineering manager as well for many, many years. Um, and I think that explains a little bit um, the passion uh, of why I joined board, why I focus my career nowadays on improving developer experience. Um, in uh, yeah, and, and at Port is a great place to, to be at to uh, develop an internal developer portal. Got you. Okay. So you, you've been down in the trenches. You've seen what developers and ops folks actually need and what they care about. And would you say that you're now expressing that for them in your current role? I'm not only expressing, I'm, I'm trying to also influence the direction in which we are going with the whole uh, internal developer portal um, um, product category. Um, yeah, I can call it a product category now, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I try to not only talk about it, but also uh, understand uh, better how we actually can improve the way that we work, how we can use other technologies, how we can leverage that, how we can drive adoption, for instance, for open source. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of topics uh, in this space. And, and I try to, to, to grab the best of everything and, and, yeah, influence that direction. Okay. Well, you, you've mentioned one term, and I have another term in my brain. So let's let's try to define these a little bit. Uh, you've mentioned internal developer portal. So, what is an internal developer portal, and how does that relate to platform engineering? Because that's another common term that I've heard somewhat related to it. Yeah, platform engineering is a is a is a term which which gets coined uh, more and more. Um, some would call it new. Uh, others would say, well, I was doing that uh, 10 years ago already. Mm. Uh, now it finally has a name. Uh, I'm one of those people probably. Um, so platform engineering, um, if you ask me, and you did, so I get to explain probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, platform engineering is the, um, an evolution of DevOps. Um, if, if I look at DevOps, I see it as um, more as a journey. Uh, it's not a thing you do. It's a journey that you're on. And mm -hmm. uh, in that journey, you mature 
your services that you deliver, the value that you deliver to others in, in the company that you work for. Uh, for, uh, you know, w- when you uh, go to the lowest level of maturity, you would say, well, I'm automating things. I'm uh, trying to um, uh, leverage technology, but also look at uh, the people and the process. Um, w- when you're maturing in the DevOps journey, um, eventually platform engineering would be, um, well, I don't know if it's an end state, but it, it, it's, it's a high, high level of maturity where you look more at um, what you are building with your team. Um, we more look at it as a product and you would approach it as a product um, and you would approach um, the developers in your company or uh, other um, engineering roles in your company. You would approach them as customers. Um, so if you would look at the technology, you, you built a platform, maybe you built a platform yourself uh, on, around Kubernetes. Maybe you um, built, built other tooling or leverage tooling from, from uh, maybe an open source project. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you use Humanitech. Um, you offer a lot of tooling around it for observability, um, to, to integrate stuff, to, to deploy services that people need. Um, but you need to, to have one place where, where you can offer your product. Otherwise, it's not a good product experience. And that place, that might be an internal developer portal um, where you can offer self-service for your customers, thus the engineers within, within your organization, um, where you can find everything that uh, teams own and, and manage and are building, um, but also understand more about it. So what are the tools that are being used? What is valuable information? And, and getting that information um, uh, yeah, with, for everybody in the organization. So you don't, um, you don't need to uh, send Slack messages to a team to understand who's running on call or something. You can just find it in your portal. Um, but yeah. Okay. So just like everything else in DevOps, there's a feedback loop there where you created a platform or a portal for folks to use, and then you're gathering information about how they're using it and then using that information to inform how to improve the portal. Would that be kind of the the, the DevOps lifecycle of a IDP? If you would put it that way, um, yes. Um, it's, it's, it's a level of, of product thinking where one way or another, if, you know, if you build it yourself uh, or you use an open source project like Backstage or you leverage a commercial solution like Port, um, you, you still, it's your product. Mm-hmm. Um, and collaborating with the rest of the organization is important um, to, to, well, ensure, of course, the adoption of what you're building. Because if you build something and people are not able to use it, like that Kubernetes platform that you've built, you know, the developers want to use it, but they don't understand how they, they need a level of abstraction. That's the way you could view it. I, I, I like that you call that Kubernetes because that is notoriously difficult to deploy on. And I've seen a lot of solutions that sit in front of it to try to ease that problem for developers. I've built the best solutions when when I was a consultant, you know, brilliant techno, technical things with my team. And we were so proud, but then um, developers didn't use the platform in the way that we envisioned. Uh, mm. And the reason why is because it's too complex. They needed to learn something new. 
Um, it didn't fit in their workflow. It was distracting them. And, um, sometimes a layer of abstraction uh, and uh, self-service capability that really helps um, people to, to uh, actually love what you're building because they don't need to know everything. They don't want your, your vision on a web interface. They just want something that works. So Suzanne, I got to ask the really dumb question. So we've kind of defined internal developer portal from a standpoint of, uh, oh, it's a, it's kind of an evolution of, uh, of DevOps. It's kind of where you get to and so on. But I think I'm missing the point of what the internal developer portal is actually doing. If I'm a developer, what do I use the internal portal to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So from the viewpoint of a developer, an internal developer portal is where I can find all the projects that uh, me and the rest of the company is working on. So for instance, if I would be in an organization which uh, leverages a microservice architecture, so I would uh, work on a microservice and I need to leverage an API from another team as always. Mm -hmm. So being able to understand what team manages that API, um, finding the API docs, uh, finding an architecture uh, overview, um, all that information that I need to actually start building, I can find that uh, also of my own team. Um, then if I want to, um, for instance, spin up a dev environment to start working on something, or I want to um, deploy a new environment, I would use self-service capabilities, uh, which are, uh, which are in, in the internal developer portal. So I would click a button, I would fill out some information, um, and then I press go, create it for me, and like uh, anywhere between a few seconds and a few minutes, or maybe some environments, even an hour. Mm -hmm. But at some point, my environment will be there. And I didn't need to do anything but go to that portal. Now, when that environment is created, um, it also would incorporate all the tooling that I need. So a Grafana dashboard for my environment would be automatically created. It would be there uh, in, in my uh, software catalog. So uh, where I find that information. So in, in that way, it, it really helps me uh, as a developer. Um, further, if, if I'm more in a, in a running state and I'm gonna make a little crossover to, for instance, SRE, um, what matters is the context. So um, when I'm developing an application, um, it lives in a repository. I build it. Uh, maybe I uh, have a dev um, environment somewhere. I tried it. But that's not a real application. The application, your code, gets an application when it runs in a specific context. So if I place the um, application in the context, for instance, of production, uh, it's totally might be totally different than when I run it uh, in an in another environment. So then you add the contextual information: where is it running? How many CPUs? Uh, are there incidents? Where are the Grafana dashboards? Um, and that helps, uh, for instance, when when you need to resolve an incident um, or you want to understand why uh, that one deploy just broke the whole application, uh, mm -hmm. and you didn't change anything in the code actually. There's, there's a ton of rich functionality here from what I'm hearing. It's uh, the, the internal developer platform is part uh, a place I can go to deploy code and uh, you know, stand up an environment. It's part documentation. Um, I know what all the projects my team is working on. Uh, I can you know, connect with other groups and other teams. Uh, so there's a lot there. It sounds like a very 
big, uh, somewhat complex product to build. So who who created this thing? If I'm like like if I'm a DevOps person or I'm a traditional ops infrastructure kind of a person, did I help build the internal developer portal, or was it a product that I bought and helped stand up for the development team? So this is where there's multiple uh, ways to achieve uh, the desired result. Um, one of them is uh, you put the team together um, and you figure out, okay, what do we actually want to build? What do, what functionality do we want to offer in a developer portal? Um, and you start building it um, with your team. Um, the other option is that you go for an open source solution where you get the building blocks to build the open source or build the um, internal developer portal um, like Backstage. Uh, then with both of those solutions, you will become um, the, 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 the company within your organization that maintains a product. So you actually build a developer portal, um, which is very powerful because, because like your imagination is the only limitation of what you can build. Um, but you need to um, also take into account that um, you will need to have the uh, investment going. So um, besides the fun stuff, which is building, you need to make sure that you have the right level of support to maintain uh, such a product. Um, if you are good for that, if that works, then uh, you're in a, in a very good place. Um, and that's, that's totally fine. So you manage then the product from there on. If you go for a uh, commercial product, so an off-the-shelf product, um, you focus um, less on the building and, and you are not the, the, the vendor of the portal uh, as your team. So you, you have a um, different role and you can focus on, on different things. Um, you can focus on different things. And the, the trade-off um, uh, is that you can have less influence on, uh, for instance, the entire look and feel of the product or um, of some functionality. Uh, you need to uh, take that up with your vendor. Sure, yeah, you're, you're making that trade-off between convenience and flexibility. Uh, and and that, that's the eternal trade-off, right? Do you, do you build it in-house or do you buy it and customize it? And it's really gonna depend on the size and structure of your organization and, and what you're favoring in that uh, sort of balance of convenience versus flexibility. Yeah, and that's exactly the case. And it's it's always uh, a huge decision to make um, if, if you want to build or buy. Um, and with, uh, with an internal developer portal, it's just important that um, whatever choice you make that, that you uh, realize that it's not a cho choice that you make for today or for tomorrow, but for the following years, um, because it's still a product and you're still mm -hmm. implementing a product and you are the product team. Mm. So, so who is the, you are the product team? Is it typically like a DevOps group? Is it a t traditional ops group or do actually the dev folks, uh, stand up their portal for themselves? If you look at platform teams, uh, they're usually a mixed, a mixed bag. Um, there's DevOps people in there. there. There might be people who call themselves infrastructure engineers. Uh, there, there might be um, developers in there. And like the, the ideal is that you have a mixed team um, with, uh, with different backgrounds um, because you need to understand your, your, um, your customer. So mm -hmm. more customer-facing roles 
uh, are also in, important. Um, having a developer advocate uh, or some, someone who, who uh, does advocacy within your company for, for what you're doing uh, might also make sense. And, and you see that in, uh, in, in platform teams more and more. We've been calling this an internal developer portal, but would there ever be occasions where you would expose this portal to external clients? Um, is there like an assumption that all the consumers are going to be inside your organization? Or have you seen it where there's like business to business relationships or you're offering this portal as almost a service provider instead of uh, it being entirely internal? Um, so there, that's a great question. There's multiple um multiple things that you can use an internal developer portal for um like for instance uh, vmware uses uh, backstage as an interface in vmware tanso application platform um but also a uh, public service like operate first um they leverage uh, backstage um as uh, also in the developer portal but for the people who want to use operate first so that those are interesting uh, use cases. Um, examples where the internal developer platform uh, portal actually is, is used to expose, um, for instance, API information to, to external sources. I don't know of any examples of that. Um, mm. But to me, it on one hand, it makes sense because you have the information anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there's uh, some concerns when um, your whole organization actually is built on top of a developer portal and is in the, in the middle of everything to expose that to the uh, to the outside world. Yeah, definitely some security concerns there. You'd want to make sure it's it's heavily walled off and that there's no you know, leak between what an external person is able to do and what your internal folks have access to. I like the idea though. Hmm. <laughs> So Suzanne, we've been talking about kind of the building and the implementation of an IDP, but uh, maybe we put the cart before the horse a little bit because uh, it would start with design and architecture. Uh, so if we're going to design this thing, yeah, ops people are going to be involved, dev people are going to be involved to talk about those kind of folks. But what about other business stakeholders, maybe security people or people in the finance group or even, um, dare, dare we say, UX designers? They love internal developer portals as soon as they know that when they want to shift something left, that there's actually a place where they can shift it to mm. uh, instead of just uh, forcing enforcing another uh, tab in, in the browser of, uh, of a developer and uh, letting them learn a new framework, framework UI, CLI command. Um, so as soon as they know that, that this can help them um, do their work, better um, they love internal developer portals um, because their tooling will just fit better into the workflow uh, of the entire engineering uh, organization not only the developer but it, obviously it uh, it helps everyone who who um, engineer stuff so um, when we're sitting down doing the initial design of what the developer portal should look like and what it should incorporate um, would you typically bring in folks from security and finance? Are there any other groups that you would, you wouldn't necessarily think of, but you've seen being brought into that conversation to contribute? Yeah, you need 
you need to, to be really successful in, in creating and adopting an internal uh, developer portal. You need to include um, basically anyone that, that you can think of. But the trick is um, not to over, over-engineer it. <laughs> so, so, and that sounds a bit dull, but um, when you start building it up, of, of course, um, you need to uh, start somewhere. And usually when, when you start um, building this out, you start with a use case. And from that use case, you, you invite people that, that, and the roles that, that um, can, can play a part in that, in creating that experience. So um, while one would argue that you look at the bigger picture, um, when you actually start uh, building it, it might be good to start small and from there, build it out. Um, so for instance, um, you know, I, I'm talking to a customer and they're, they're like um, starting uh, with, with board. Um, so they grab like one use case, which is uh, deploy uh, an application um, into a new environment. That sounds like a very simple thing to do, but if you look at uh, the average enterprise, you can imagine, especially when it's regulated, uh, that there are so many steps and so many tools that you need to go through. Um, so you start with that use case. Um, and if it's successful, then you build it out and then you're, you you pick a theme like, hey, we, we want to do... Um, we, we want to include FinOps in this whole uh, in in this developer portal because we think that we can make a massive uh, massive impact with it. Or hey, um, we want to make sure that all the applications that we have are according to our security best practices. So for that, you need uh, maybe um, some insights in how is my application doing, how's my repo doing. Um, but there will also be requirements maybe on your data. Um, there will be like many different things that you need to do and that you need to to know. A mechanism that helps um, is scorecards, for instance. So you you have an, an, a measurement of how well you are doing uh, in 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 regards to that one best practice. So you as an engineer, uh, engineering manager, uh, as a security person, you can see ex- actually. Um, how well this this application or this piece of code or this repository is doing uh, according to the uh, to the stuff that you made up. <laughs> right. So is that scorecard something that would be shown within the portal that I could look at and go, okay, I just want to look at the scorecard for this. It's not something someone's manually generating and sending around on index cards, right? Exactly, and that that's the success because you don't need to force it um, like, hey, fill out this uh, Excel sheet. Um, and, uh, you know, we do that every quarter for the security review. Please fill out uh, what version of uh, these packages you have installed. Uh, and then somebody goes uh, like, uh, well, going to some system and they grab and they go to GitHub and they like they, they get the information from from everywhere, it ends up in an Excel sheet, and at the end, somebody processes it, and it's green or red or yellow or whatever, or you get questions. That's that's not uh, the, the way that you actually help 
um, your engineering organization to push for better. You push for better because everybody um, wants their report, their checks. They want it green or gold, or they want to be level one. Um, it's a bit of gamification. Um, mm -hmm. And if if you see that you're like uh, bronze, your application is bronze, then you look, okay, how can I actually become gold? And mm -hmm. then like, as it appears, there's like this one, uh, one little thing, which was a bit of technical depth, but you're going to resolve it anyway, because then, you know, you're compatible. You're, you're good. You're, you're green, uh, not green, uh, gold, platinum. I know. Diamond. Diamond. I don't know. <laughs> Just Let's figure out something. Yeah. Right. But gamification uh, in that way um, really, really helps. Uh, and it, it, you know, it makes things more transparent for everyone. Right. That, that implies that you have some significant tooling on the back end that's doing all this scanning and analysis. You know, if we're, if we're going to the security space, you would want some sort of static code analysis tools. You might have uh, some additional components that are doing live testing of code in a sandbox environment. Given all of the additional tools, does the developer portal replace some of my existing tools? Can I use what I already have and just hook it into the portal? So what's the what's the connection point there between the automation I already set up and this next level of maturity I'm trying to get to? Yeah, this is the great thing. A developer portal is not to replace your tooling. Uh, it is to uh, integrate it. Uh, it is to aggregate it. Um, so, because like it, it would not make sense. Um, you built a platform. You, you know it the best. Your platform engineers. Um, you, you know what you're doing. Um, so, the tools that you use and the tools that you love. Um, that's it. That that's where where your work happens. That's where you innovate. That's where you are creative. Um, a developer portal should not frustrate that process. So, well, at least my vision on an internal developer portal is that it will not replace. It will just um, be there to um, enhance your experience. So, you know, if 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 you use a certain security tooling, um, that's really great, you should be using that. But just integrate it with your developer portal and provide value um, so that not only the security people um, um, have value, but everybody in the organization has value. Everybody is able to understand how well uh, you're doing um, and where you are in, in that process that, you, that you're in. So interaction um, is very important. I, I think that also goes the other way. So if you have uh, CI/CD tooling, being able to leverage that context that I was talking about, uh, being able to, to grab that data back from a portal using an API, I think mm -hmm. that's very important. I think, you know, if you create a script and you're able to 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 grab certain information from that IDP because the information is there anyway, um, that's super valuable. That that will really help. So uh, it's 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 uh, it's an add-on. Right. It sounds like a, a big component of the portal is a workflow engine of some kind that hooks into these other tools and can issue, you know, commands to the tools to do things and then take information back from them. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of, and to delve into Microsoft world, 
there was a product called Service Manager. And I think it might still exist. I'm not sure. Uh, but it was part of the System Center suite. And it was kind of this idea of a self-service kind of workflow engine, but it really heavily integrated with all the other System Center stuff. So if you weren't running the full System Center stack, it, it didn't matter. It sounds like this attempt at having a developer portal and a workflow engine is less um, locked down to specific technologies or tools that you have to use. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And a lot of the tools that, that you're mentioning, probably, you know, at some point people don't use it anymore because they use different technology. They move, move to a different um, framework. They use totally different programming languages. Um, and so that's the reason why, why you need to be able to, to adapt to what um, your customers, the engineers are using um, and not the other way around. Because mm -hmm. that that doesn't work. That um, that kills the creative process, um, and yeah. and you need you need to be able to embrace technology. You need to be able to embrace uh, changes. Like uh, when you are migrating to I don't know, maybe you're listening. You're, you're migrating to a cloud environment. If you wanna, um, if if you wanna adapt to that, if you wanna adopt that cloud technology, you want to put the power into the hands of the developers. They don't want to learn that whole cloud portal. They just want to deploy mm. their stuff uh, to, <laughs> to a Kubernetes uh, platform and then, well, let it be managed, let it be AKS. That's mm -hmm. really great. Um, but, you know, if, if it would be another platform, they would use the same, uh, same interface. Um, it's about, indeed, um, being able to interact with with that other tools and that other other platforms, which which makes uh, internal developer platform a uh, portal. Sorry, uh, <laughs> that happens sometimes. Um, but which which makes it really a good experience, and it will be very valuable. And to add to that, it's fun working uh, working on it because you've built something and you like make the integration, and when there's this button, and people are like, oh, and just press a button, fill out a form, and there's a whole dev environment for my, for my, <laughs> like, uh. you know, it, but really it is. And, and that's the, the, the bit of magic that you want to offer uh, to, to people. They don't know how brilliant you are and what you've built. They care about that form and to them, that's magical. That's what mm. they need. Uh, and, and that's actually improving and helping, um, the, the the lives of everyone uh you know less frustration is always good so is the developer portal uh opinionated about the IaaS primitives that i'm using like if i pick a certain framework is it like this works with openstack and that's what it works with or is it flexible enough like you were saying it's kind of like it sounds like i can integrate anything i want with and, and make it do whatever i need to on the back end so maybe I'm flexible where I could use OpenStack or Kubernetes or you know, AWS, uh, you know, whatever I want on the back end. Yeah, that's true. The only thing that's, um, that you need to take into account when, when you go down the path, like, hey, I want to get started with an internal developer portal and you're on the journey of searching, what, what am I going to do? How, you know, where do I start? Will it work with, with the stuff that, that I'm, I'm using? Um, it's the data model, model, and and that that is what determines um, 
for a big part the the um, stuff that you can that you can ingest in 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 your software catalog. So um, the data model, like what types of uh, entities do you have? How do they relate to each other? Um, what properties do they have? It's it's important to to be able to um, yeah, to, to make sure that either you can adapt to, to the data model or the data model can adapt to you. And there's like multiple ways of, of achieving this, but um, the, there's the only thing that um, when you get started, you need to make sure that, that it, it will fit. Okay, so you said data model. So next dumb question coming from this guy. Um, when you say data model... I don't think of dealing with uh, primitives like IaaS and you know the, the the backend construction and how my different programming components might interrelate. But it sounds like that's what you're you're talking about. Whereas I'm standing up uh, some complex system of uh, artifacts that are going to be running, maybe in a microservices architecture. You're talking about that sort of a data model. Yeah, so I'm I'm talking about all the components that that you have uh, in your organization. So you have microservices, but uh, um, you, you know, a deployment is also uh, a type of data that you would uh, that you would track in your uh, internal developer portal, um, and and you know, basically all the building blocks that make up your solutions that you're building, even things like a team or or a group or a whatnot department, those are all all things that um, exist, and you want mm-hmm. to be able to and especially the technical ones you want to be able to ingest that in your in your uh, software catalog um and and make sure that that it provides the value that uh, that that you're seek, that you're seeking and that you can build those relationships one to end one to one so yeah you need you, when you are considering like what am i going to do uh, which which uh, choice i'm going to make in a product or how am I going to implement it? It's good to um, take a little step back and, and look at that. Right. It makes me think of what it's called Conway's Law, where the structure of your organization determines the structure of your the systems that you work with. So whatever that structure that you're trying to, of your actual organization, you're trying to represent in the portal, the data model in that portal needs to support what that structure looks like. And I know I've worked with tools before that have these really weird hierarchies and ways that they sort and group things. And for me, it didn't work because that's not how, you know, the team I was on was structured, but I could see in a different, uh, in a different organization that might've worked very well. And probably the people who designed it are in that other type of organization. Exactly. And I recognize that. And that's why I figured let's let's mention that because um it it's you know it, it's really great to be able to to leverage such a powerful thing like an internal developer portal, but you need to like make sure that um when you talk about um friction, you don't want friction uh in, in those places and especially not uh when you introduce a tool and um, there's no good answer uh, on how does this map to our organization. Like if it doesn't really map and you have a good answer, okay. Right. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about that and how if you really want your developer teams to and your operations teams to adopt this portal, it has to fit the way that 
they want to do things. And I guess that goes back to what you're saying. You're you're managing a product. This is a product and you have to listen to the people who are using your product, take their feedback and make sure you incorporate that in the product rather than forcing another way down their throat. Exactly. And being able to, to ingest information in a software catalog is really good. Uh, but it's in, important that you are able to do that. That it actually fits uh, somewhere and that people uh, can actually understand what it is and, and how it's useful to them. If people don't see that, then yeah, why invest time in that? So I was going to ask a question uh, regarding like, to what degree do I show developers some of the primitives that exist in my environment? Like, to what degree do I give them, you know, access to DNS or how many IOPS uh, particular storage volume can drive and stuff like that? But it sounds like, based off what we're saying, it's more of you figure that out as part of your product development processes. Okay, yeah. Well, what are your requirements? Do you care about the IOPS of a volume, and is that something you need to see? Yeah, exactly. Um, and and that's that's where I think it's important to to treat um, the real estate of your um, developer experience. You treat it like it's it's very limited. You treat it with care because if if I place information here on this screen, um, those pixels need to be valuable to the person who sees it. Mm -hmm. uh, every graph or 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 image or you, you know there's those are distractions you just want to maybe know how many um issues are open um or you might want to know um indeed in a production environment maybe you want to know the memory usage uh, but you maybe do not want to see the whole graph maybe you do um uh, maybe you want to uh, have information from from datadoc displayed um with that but maybe not on the on the first page that people are looking at maybe you want to put that behind the tab and you might want to only show alerts in a convenient list or as a number so you 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 think about the people the people who are watching this like do they actually care about this and if they are not they don't care about it please don't display it on, on your developer portal. Um, let's make software development less frustrating and not add um, all kinds of like, I don't know, distractions to that because that that's not, at least in my opinion, that's not what 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 a what a developer portal should should do. And mm. by the way, I think no tools should do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Suzanne, it's okay. I think we've got a good idea ask, of what Ask me about portal. my phone. <laughs> <laughs> what phone do you use? Well, you can guess. I think we've got a good idea of what a developer portal is, internal developer portal is. And I, I'm starting to get it as this as an evolution of, uh, of DevOps, uh, platform engineering and so on. Okay. But does every organization need this? Can you give us an example of like real life scenarios where having an internal developer portal is really helpful, a needful thing, and maybe where it doesn't fit, where I'd be over-engineering or overthinking it if I try to add an IDP to my environment? Yeah, that's a fairly complicated question, actually, because it depends. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> <The answer>. it does. <laughs> 
Everybody take a drink. <laughs> exactly, exactly. One shot. Um, no, but um, so so the thing is, is there a is there a golden rule for when you should not use an internal developer portal? Um, I'm not sure. If if you are with a team with uh, ten developers, but you are a startup, uh, you just you know got your seed round or something like that, and you 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 want to uh, expect to to have 100 uh, in uh, the next year. Um, you might want to have a developer portal because you will be busy. You will not be able to share and and transfer knowledge. Um, if you are in a, a organization where you um, where your developers are are not happy with the tooling that they're using or they don't feel productive. Maybe it's a good thing to look into their developer experience. Um, I think the the question actually is not even like, do you want an internal developer portal? The question is, do you care about your developer experience? Are you at the point where you're like, hmm, maybe we should do better? Hmm. Do you do you, do you care about um, b- being able to innovate faster? Uh, do you? care about the retention of your of your developers which like are not rhetorical the, questions the, i mean it sounds like you're, you're almost making a rhetorical point but you're really not because not all organizations need to be that agile or that fast or that quick to market there is a trade-off in building this complex platform that you mentioned earlier you've got to maintain the thing and that's not a straightforward proposition so if you're going to bring this tool on board and have it be a part of everyone's workflow that's deploying that's a commitment. That's a big commitment as an organization. So you're making a, a, an internal decision about whether or not it's appropriate to have this thing. And if you care about, pro- what I'm hearing, Suzanne, is if you care about bringing products to market faster and you know, being innovative very quickly, and that's super important to you for your product lifecycle and how your what your go-to-market strategy is, then internal development portal, platform engineering, that may be the place you need to go next. And if you're not that, then maybe that's a complexity and technical debt that you don't want to bring on board. That can very well be the case. Mm. Yeah. But on the other hand, if if you look at um, organizations which are not at that place, but they want insights in what they have, it's difficult to find information. Um you know, it's difficult to, to collaborate. Maybe the organization is very complex. Maybe the the the, the, the systems that, that are used are scattered all around. You have multiple places where you have documentation, multiple uh, CMDBs, ITSM catalogs. I, I don't even know what names, what was the name again of the tool? Um, but, you know, tools tools are there and, and there, there might be a lot of... Um, a lot of sprawl there might also be a very good idea to look at an internal developer portal because you have the catalog there. Um, mm. So yeah, there, there are all, all kinds of use cases. Um, and yeah, that, that's just, you know, it depends. It depends if you, if you, you know, collaboration, shift left, okay. being innovative, onboarding, um, yeah, the, it might just be a solution. Right. And to get back to the build versus buy portion of things, and I feel like this is also an it depends kind of answer, but 
what are how would you advise people when they're doing that evaluation of do I build do I take an existing open source project like Backstage or do I go with a vendor who already will customize or manage it for me? Uh, sort of what are the driving factors between those different choices? It's about the investment um, that you need to, to make for developing your own product. And with building yourself, or with leveraging an open source uh, project, uh, you you are doing that. So you take that responsibility, um, and uh, it's a, it's an investment, which is uh, it will be a continuous investment. So you need to to have the people there. You need to be able to um, to dedicate them to some extent, or maybe entirely, um, to do this. Um, you need to work. Um, more as a product team. So the product needs to be developed, um, which is um, yeah, which is a calculation that, that you need to do. You need to calculate the risk. You know, it's, it's super fun to have an open source project as well. It has a lot of benefits that um, do not maybe immediately, um, you see not maybe immediately in your organization itself, but for the engineers, it might be very, uh, fun to work on such a project and to be part of such a community. So there's there's uh, also like hidden trade-offs, if I might put it that way. Mm. Um, if you look at buying, then um, you have the benefits that you can get started uh, more easy. And you you will have value probably faster. You still need to put together a team that will drive this effort, um, but a lot of the product development uh, headaches they they are they are being taken care of by uh, by the company building um, the product. Um, so yeah, it's 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 um, it's it's that trade off. Uh, like in the in the question before, like and when when do you start? Well, if you have an off the shelf product, you will probably also start when you have smaller teams mm -hmm. because you don't need to reserve time to 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 put an effort in in building the actual product from the ground up, from the ground up right well if listeners are interested in getting hands on or seeing some presentations like you've piqued their interest they're 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 thinking what does the developer portal look like how can i give it a, a test drive what are some resources you would point them to 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 get that experience um, so you can go to getport.io. There's an open demo. You do not need to register your email or anything. Uh, you can it's a populated uh, catalog, and you can uh, you can just get started and uh, play around with it. Uh, it will give you a general idea um, of of a developer portal and how it might be valuable to you. Um, you can go to uh, backstage.io. You are interested in backstage open source solution. Um, there's also a public demo, um, and uh, you you can uh, you can play around with that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, th those are those are good ways to, um, to to get a better idea and and to really like uh, play around with it a little bit. There's a YouTube channel which the listeners might be familiar with. It's called the DevOps Toolkit. 
Um, there's also a few uh, episodes on IDPs, um, which are really good. Uh, mm -hmm. And in the uh, there's an episode. Yeah, that's, that's funny. There's an episode um, which was created. Um, I don't know, launched last week or something. Um, and there, um, uh, Victor, who runs the show, um, he built an entire um, internal developer platform with tooling that you know. Um, and he uh, leveraged port to glue everything together uh, and offer a developer experience. It's really fun. It's like uh, in a very, very short time, um, he, he just builds out uh, that, that whole uh, platform. I think that's really good because it, it shows you um, the, the, the power um, of this, um, of, of, yeah, of putting everything together that, that you know and that you love. Um, yeah, yeah, I've watched his channel a bunch and really good information out there and, and well put together. So I can definitely second that recommendation. Uh, what if folks want to reach out to you? Are you active on Twitter still? Do you have a LinkedIn? What's what's the best way to reach out to you if they want to continue the conversation? I'm trying to leave Twitter, but it's like a hostage situation. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm still I'm still active there. So if you want to reach out, uh, it's at uh, Susier. Um, and um, also on LinkedIn, uh, but just like Google my name, you'll find me somewhere uh, and just uh, just reach out and I hang out in some community channels as well, like platform engineering. So um, yeah, just uh, uh, say hi, say that you disagree or that you agree. I don't know, uh, but uh, feel free to, to reach out anytime. Um, All right, excellent. I will include links to all of that in the show notes. And Suzanne Daniels, thank you so much for being a guest today on Day 2 Cloud. I, I learned a lot about IDP and platform engineering. Thank you so much for having me. This was a very, very nice conversation. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. And hey, thank you to you listeners. Virtual high fives to you for tuning in. If you have suggestions for future shows, you want an expansion on any of the topics today or something else has got your your noodle and, and you want to stir it a little bit, uh, let us know. We've got a form on our website, day2cloud.io, or you can hit us up on Twitter at day2cloudshow. Either way, let us know what you want to hear about. And if you like engineering-oriented shows like this one, you can visit packetpushers.net slash subscribe. All of our podcasts, newsletters, and websites are there. It's all nerdy content designed for your professional, professional career development. Until next time, just remember, Cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans.